Adventures of a Modern Robin Hood. I had cased the formerly diamonds with Charlie Austin and immediately thrown Inspector Ford off the scent for a moment. But with bulldog tenacity, he'd followed a trail that led him to me. I called a council of war with Barbara and Charlie Austin and myself to endeavour to establish alibis. Imagine our consternation when the telephone rang and I was addressed by the voice of one who said he was the Grey Goose and suggested that I, Fletcher, should take a holiday in distant parts. Suddenly, I woke up to the fact that the voice was none other than that of the inspector himself. Rowley, you don't think so, really? I do. For some reason, Ben is warning me that he's tumbled. Why should he? <laughs> Old school tie stuff. Ben, as you know, was at school with me before he became a flatfoot. However, we mustn't be scared. Scared? Oh, for one, I've got complete wind up. Well, as I said before, only stone-certain alibis will fit the circumstances. Thus, Barbara will impersonate me. You, Charlie, with makeup, will be Mr. Jenkins, as I said. But what do I do? Now, wait just a moment, one thing at a time. This is going to be very complicated. What I've got to establish is that I and Mr. Jenkins are in more than one place at a time. That's the idea, to flummox the inspector. I've got it. Charlie? Eh? What? You, disguised as Mr. Jenkins, will be in Paris tomorrow morning. Paris, eh? Cool, suits me. Well, don't make a welter of it. You catch the morning plane as Mr. Jenkins. I'll fix tickets and all that stuff. You'll stay at the Maurice. Here, why not the Moulin Rouge? Because that's a music hall, not a hotel. The Moulin Rouge would do me. You'll stay at the Maurice. Shout your name at the reception desk so that everyone can hear you. H.C. Jenkins. So, in the meantime, the gendarmes are or have been notified that you're about to arrive and will check on you. Uh, here's the passport of Mr. Jenkins. It'll be a perfect likeness when I've done with you. But wait, on what is all this? Why did the gendarmes go for me? Because Scotland Yard has notified every airport on the continent to keep a tag on Mr. H.C. Jenkins. Uh-huh. And then what happens? This. I also, dressed in my old character of H.C. Jenkins, appear in the morning to the hall porter next door. Ask him how my tenant's behaving and how is so-and-so. Then you have Mr. Jenkins in two places at once at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Heavens! Ben Ford will have a cerebral hemorrhage thinking that one out. <laughs> I trust so. Now, you're set, Charlie, aren't you? Yep, set as a jelly. And now, where do I come in? You remember my cottage in Hampshire, Barbara? Oh, yes. That's where we did the taming of the shoe egg. That's right. Well, tomorrow, you go down there, dressed in my sports suit, driving my Daimler, with your own bag stowed in the boot. In the bag, you'll have a chain, a frock and all that. Right. There's nothing more certain than that one of Ben's men will tail you to the cottage. About five miles from the cottage, you'll start losing your tail. Go round every turning till you are sure that you've lost him. As soon as you can, ditch the car and make like blazes for the cottage on foot, carrying an overnight bag. Hmm. This is going to be very pleasant, eh? It's going to be very necessary. Now, listen carefully. Arriving at the cottage, you'll change quickly into your frock. You're staying for the weekend for a rest. Park my suit out of sight, very much out of sight, and await a call. A call? Yes. From Inspector Ben Ford, either in person or one of his sturdy henchmen. 
And where are you all this time? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. Now, listen. While Charlie Austin, uh, Mr Jenkins, is in Paris establishing his bona fides, which Charlie you could depend on, I am Mr Jenkins here, asking for the help of my fair tenant and anything else I can think of. That's at 10am. Then you, Barbara, are chased down to the cottage an hour later, looking terribly like me. I am here in the flesh, as myself, where all Scotland Yard and sundry can see me. And if that little set-up doesn't give friend Ben a pain in the neck, nothing will. Oh, blimey, Mr. Hexk. <laughs> you are a one. Not a one, Charlie. A three on this occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, although I created these alibis, I couldn't be present to witness them taking their places in the scheme. But later, the different angles were related to me, much to my satisfaction, needless to say. The Paris angle worked with Charlie, and at ten o'clock the same morning, behold me addressing the hall porter. Good morning. Why, Mr Jenkins. Good morning, sir. So you are really back with us? Well, only for a short spell, you know, Riley. I'm not very fond of London these days. You'll be wanting your old flat back? Oh, no, 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 I, I think not. In fact, it's not in my scheme of things to disturb the ladies. Uh, how is she, by the way? Very well, I think, Mr Jenkins. Very nice young lady, that too, sir. Keeps herself to herself, like. Good. He doesn't want anything, I suppose? Uh, repairs and what not? Never mentioned it to me, sir. Well, tell her to communicate with my solicitors if everything is not entirely satisfactory. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. So far, so good. Alibi for Mr Jenkins, okay. And, if I'm not mistaken, that's one of the inspector's men watching me. I returned to my own chambers very unobtrusively and reinstated myself as myself. Making myself conspicuous, I strolled around my usual haunts, continually followed by another shadow. Later, of course, I learned the truth about Barbara and the cottage. At last, the cottage. Two miles in rain and slush and worn out. Now for a change. This suit of Roland's is saturated. Better light a fire, I suppose. Oh. That's better. Now, where to put this suit? Hmm, copper, I think. Well, the immaculate Mr. Roland Fletcher will just love this. <laughs> well, now for my own frock to get dressed in my right mind again. There now. Come weal or woe, Richard is himself again. For Richard, read Barbara. Uh-oh. Wonder who the visitor is. Yes, who is it? Is Mr. Roland Fletcher there? The Merminence of the law. No, he's not. Please go away. I'm changing. Sorry to be a nuisance, but I'd appreciate it if you'd let me have a few words with you. Impossible. Why should I open the door to strange men in a lonely place like this? I assure you, miss, you need have no fear. Look, I'll push my card under the door. All right, do so. And when I've read it, I'll decide. Go on. There it is, just coming under. Thank you. 
Detective John Fergus, CID. Good heavens, police! That's it, miss. I can't think what you want with me. However, if you are from the police, come in. I think it'll be rather glad to, to have a policeman round in this lonely spot. Come along in. I'm most anxious to contact the owner of this cottage, Mr. Fletcher. Well, I can assure you he's not here. But this is his cottage? Certainly. He lent it to me. And you say he's not here? I resent the insinuation. I'm sorry. You see, we followed him down here. Why? Orders, miss. He did come here? No, he didn't. I drove down myself. But he did come with you? I said no. Matter of fact, I had a puncture two miles out on a bypass, and so I walked the rest of the way. A bypass? Yes, a bypass. If you go back that way, you might still find the car. I'm going back as soon as it clears a bit to change the wheel. And you're sure he didn't make the journey with you? Listen, Mr. Policeman, you're inside. Go ahead and have a good look round. If you can find Mr. Fletcher here, you can write me up in the news of the world or the police gazette. Now, go to it. Mr. Fletcher isn't here, but he's lent me his cottage for a few days' peace. When you've gone, I'll start on the peace. All right, miss. I'll disturb you no longer. Obviously, we've missed Mr. Fletcher. Excuse me. You're excused. Goodbye. Goodbye, miss. Well, well, his plan seems to have worked. Good heavens, the abandoned car. Suppose they find it. No puncture. Better go and get it. Oh, Lord, what had I better do? Think. Yes, I think I can wangle it. Thank heavens for a Mac. My friend, what I go through for the sake of an alibi is nobody's business. Lord, if it were only fine weather. Still, somehow I've got to get to that car. At last, the car. Well, at least the wretched policeman hasn't found it yet. Well, here goes. Stop, please. Uh-oh, that voice. A detective, what's his name, I think? Hello, miss. Hello, yourself. Are you the local ghost? How's that? You seem to be haunting me. I'd just like to know why you came in search of this car. I came to put the spare wheel on, which I've done. And if you think Mr. Fletcher is in these parts, you'd better go on looking. As maybe you've noticed, Mr. Fletcher is not here. Is there any reason why he shouldn't seek the shelter of his own cottage if he were in these parts? Yes. What reason? Just me. Mr. Fletcher happens to be a gentleman. He also happens to know, having let his cottage to me, that I'm alone there. I see. I didn't think you would. Now, if you don't mind, I'll push on. And I suggest that if you want to find the gentleman so urgently, you try the village pub or his flat in London. Once more, goodbye. Oh, if you feel like following me, do so. Of course, busy establishing myself some 90-odd miles away, I wasn't aware of all this, this charming encounter of Barbara and the detective. And it wasn't until later, oh, very much later, that I got the whole story. You know, that's the worst of alibis. You can't be in more than one place at a time, and you consequently miss a lot of the fun. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs>
As Fletcher says, alibis can be very confusing. And on this occasion, he's weaved a tangled web of them with Barbara Favisham and Charlie Austin, his friends. Don't forget to listen to the finale of this clever scheme of The Grey Goose. <laughs>